0: and thrive. Greetings. I am Erin Patton, also known as Master L, and welcome to the Meta Business Millennial. I am joined today by my beautiful friend, Inez, and I have to start before I introduce her with how I even know Inez, because I almost can say that she was one of the catalyzers in getting me to now. For sure. I met her around seven years ago when I was living in Detroit and y'all all all know my tag. I went from Harvard to healing. So she met me in between that Harvard and healing point when I was really trying to find myself. So um, I, I remember very distinctly, you know, me coming over to her house for dinner and we had like quiet moments together, like talking in her kitchen or something. And she'd be like, Erin, like, why are you so insecure about these things? Or like asking me just like really authentic friend-like questions. And I was uncomfortable, y'all. I have to just, I mean, she don't even know this, but I just have to express like how, cr- how critical she was and just... Tapping in with me, checking in with me and my emotions, she even invited me to her house because she was learning Reiki healing at the time, light healing at the time, and performed a a light Reiki session with me. And I remember thinking, like, wow, this is the most safe I've ever felt in the presence of a friend. And on top of all that, y'all, she's from Brazil, which is like my second home country, and that totally was a way in which I was able to connect with her when I was still doing work in between. US and Brazil and trying to figure that life out. So I really am just humbled and honored that we have traveled the past several years together, still staying in close contact, still sharing books and resources around spirituality. And now we are both in our own businesses, sharing our knowledge, our wisdom and experiences with the world. So without further ado, I want to welcome Inez, founder, of the United Globe Associates to the show and have her share a little bit more about who she is with, with all of our viewers and listeners.
1: Thank you for the introduction, Erin. And yes, I loved having you over. And that um, that light session that I offered you is actually called Tsukyoma uh, Mahikari. It's a Japanese practice. I'll give you the link for you to including the end, uh, that's Japanese for uh, divine light. And so I'm glad you liked it.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. And thank you for clarifying. I didn't even know there was a difference between Reiki and Tsukiyomari. I didn't know that was a difference. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And and I don't know enough about Reiki to compare the two. I just know that I, I just can tell you that it's a different practice. Um. But uh, yes, it was. Thank you for inviting me here. I am feeling very vulnerable, and um, I. <laughs> I didn't want to accept the invitation because I was afraid, <laughs> not afraid of you, but afraid of, you know, what can come out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, and um, my coach, Barbara Hewson, she says, uh, what is it that you're afraid of? And that's exactly the next thing you need, you need to do. So (laughs) that's why fear and everything. (laughs) Okay, I'm afraid of that, so I'm doing it. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so
1: here I am. I am. That's and it's very ironic that I have experienced fear because I'm very comfortable speaking. uh, That Mm -hmm. uh, a big part of it, since I uh, I'm in the role. Of facilitator very often uh, that's you know I, I speak in public and I um, lead uh, large groups and so I'm very comfortable but I'm usually talking about uh, leadership or I am supporting someone you know and, uh, so, so it's just my first time talking about myself on record <laughs> so. We'll see how that goes. Let's
0: go. (laughs) I'm so, so excited that we get to do this. And so with that, please share a little bit more about where you're from, like how it was you growing up in Brazil, because I know there could be some international listeners here, but for folks who have no familiarity with sort of like international living and coming to the States, I think it'd be really interesting to hear about your journey
1: My first time in an airplane was at 40 days, 40 days old. I was, uh, I've been to the U.S. This is my third um, extended period in the U.S. So I came when I was a baby for uh, my father. My parents came here. My father um, came to do his fellowship. and, And I stayed, we stayed here until I was five. And then I returned to Brazil. And I just grew up a typical uh, countryside uh, kind of childhood, and I would play in the street, and we would play ball, and it was just a bunch of. And I I had a childhood that had like two very different sides. Like one side was very playful with my with my neighbors, and. Another side was, um, it was in my school. Like my parents always valued a lot uh, education. So they always paid for the uh, best education available. And so I had the opportunity to uh, study with the children of the most affluent kids uh, in town. So I used to think that I was poor. <laughs> you know, after I grew up and, and everything's <laughs> relative, right? So it would be kind of like, I'm trying to think of equivalent. So it would be like, I don't know, if thinking it would be equivalent, like if you can't spend your weekend in Paris for dinner, you're poor. That would be kind of the, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the equivalent. Right. So, uh, and same thing, when I went to uh, business school, the best business school at the time was also private and it was very expensive, but I got into it and my dad, you know, he made a point that he wanted to invest in my education. So that's kind of interesting because um, I saw different sides of things like, uh, the experience of being poor and the experience of being rich because I was still maybe in the top 5% in in terms of family income for the country. Um, and then so I, and then I, but one thing that is that happens to children who live in different cultures, who bridge different cultures. Like I was, growing up with Brazilian parents in the U.S. the first five years of my life. And so I, I learned mm-hmm. to speak English before I learned to speak Portuguese, even though my mom would speak English with, uh, Portuguese with me. Um, I went to school very early, so my language was English. Um, I always grew with this interest of wanting to see the world and travel the world. And so as soon as I, I was able to... Um, And I had a good excuse. I left the country again, which was when I came to the U.S. to do my MBA. Yeah. Um, And uh, so I stayed and then I worked at Motorola for a while as a project manager. And that's when, you know, like one of the things you, you, you ask about is like, what triggered, you know, where did your spiritual journey um like a conscious spiritual awakening began? Mm-hmm. It was I I and just please stop me anytime if you have uh any questions. Um the so I I I was dating a guy at the time and he was insisting still insisting that I attended this workshop. And, you know, and he would ask questions like, what is it that you want? And I would say, oh, I want this and this. And then he'd say, okay, so what's stopping you? And say, oh, because this person or this circumstance. And and he would insist that there was nothing stopping me except myself. And it just didn't make sense to me at the time. This was early 2000s. But then finally, there was a day that I got really upset at him. He was late for our mm-hmm. for our date, but I just lost it, mm-hmm. and he just stayed in neutrality. He, he apologized, and and so, but because he did not get into my drama, I could see how dramatic I was being, and yes. and and then I just um, realized, like how can I be experiencing so much pain because someone is late to an appointment with me? Mm, it, was, so it was so, I mean, I was experiencing so much suffering. And then I just told him, you know, I'm just tired. Like every relationship is like this. It's like, you know, it's, I, I, I enjoy being with the person but then I'm in pain, I'm suffering. What do I do? <laughs> Go to the workshop. <laughs> There he is. <laughs> and I was just so pissed off because he had insisted so much and I really wanted to be right. And and so, no, I'm not going and that kind of thing. I didn't even know what it was, but I I was sure that I was not going. Um, well, the thing is that, well, if that was going to take away my pain, I was willing to, <laughs> to take the risk. So I secretly signed yeah. up or the thing. <laughs> well, what it turned out to be, it was my first experience with personal development. And it was an yeah. organization that doesn't even exist anymore. It was called Millennium Three. Uh, but it it was it was basically about self-observation, self-awareness, and and then when I was in and so I just attended all their classes, and then started volunteering. Uh, and I just, I just learned a lot there. I learned about like how I'm bigger than my circumstances. I learned the difference between uh, ownership and victimhood. Um, mm-hmm. I learned to be responsible, to honor my word, to be an in integrity. and 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 being of service like i remember one day i went there and and i said oh because i want there are several roles right when you're doing a workshop and say oh because i want to do this and i want to do this but i don't want to do this or this role and then i remember hearing the the organizer say you know what you're here to be of service if if you're if you're not going if you're not going to be here to do whatever it's needed of you, then we don't need you. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and
1: um, it was it was um, so it was it was very formative. And then when I I, I returned to Brazil, I was fired for low performance. <laughs> so that's a good story in itself. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like my, uh, you know, I would, when I was hired, then, you know, my first year with, I was below, ex- uh, evaluated as below expectations. Oh, no, that's normal. You just joined a very strong group. You know, it's, you're just, uh, you just graduated from school and from the MBA and, Everybody's a very mature project manager here. That's why, you know, you're just starting. That's why you're low performance. That's normal. And then next year, oh, yeah, same thing. You know, everybody's very strong here, very mature. You're still learning. It's normal. And then next year we got, you know, managers were changed. And, uh, yeah, you're low performance. You're fired.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah.
1: And, and but it made it made sense because my that's not really where my heart was yeah um i think i was it was a very shocking experience to be a low performer or to be judged as a low performer because i have i had been successful in everything that i had chosen to do in my life up to that point and mm. i was trying to apply my success, like the, I would say my, my rules for success or my guidelines for success or my strategies, my tactics from Brazil in my job. And of course it didn't work mm-hmm. because like I was a Brazilian. And so my, ex, my work experience, it was all Brazilian. I was hired as a local. So neither I yeah. knew how to work with Americans or no other nationalities because there were other nationalities. Neither they knew how to work with me, uh, which is different from when you go on an expatriate assignment where actually the person gets to be trained on how to work with other people. And so I just went online to find out how to solve my problems at work because I And I just was fascinated to see that there is a whole field that studies how people work cross culturally. And I just started going to conferences and I started volunteering within Motorola to educate other people on crossing these um, different, you know, different, how to work with different cultures. And my mentor, I remember the first time that I made like a brown bag lunch, my mentor said, uh, you should do this for a living. Mm. And that's interesting because I was, you know, just not too long before that, I had been to this workshop and I had looked at the facilitator and I said, that's the job that I want.
0: Nice. And (laughs) the alignment.
1: Yeah. And so then when I was fired, it was the perfect opportunity to start on a quest to develop the skills to be that person. So I uh for many years I uh, did cross cultural and then I went to but I, I couldn't work in the US because of my 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 visa was attached to the company. So I went to Brazil and then I worked as, uh, as a cross-cultural facilitator in Brazil for many years. And that evolved later into diversity and later, later into leadership development. So it's, it's just a lot of fun to work with leadership development in the context of um, like different cultures. And and then I also got my uh, coaching certification and appreciative inquiry. Just continue studying. I'm a very avid learner. Um, and then I was in my last year in the in the U.S. or one year before the last. I met my today husband. Uh so, you know, I went to Brazil for vacation, met him at a friend's wedding. And so he decided to quit his job and come live in the U S with me. So the plan was that he would study English for a year and then we would, you know, he would get a job here or whatever. And well, the day that I was fired was the day that he quit. Like, you know, I called him and, hey, I have news. And he says, yes, me too. I, you know, I just got, I just quit. I say, yeah, well, I was quit. <laughs> anyway, you don't say that, right? I was very, <laughs> it was really interesting how it was the same day. Anyway, so he came, I negotiated to stay until the end of the year with the company. And I just loved what I was doing as in the diversity as a, I was, uh, champion and leader of the group for diversity. So it was an awesome time anyway. uh The part, the work that I got to do with Motorola as diversity. So I went back to Brazil, and then seven years ago, he got invited to come to here. Like his department in Brazil was kind of relocated to here. So we came. Uh, we came we we were relocated to to be here so that's where i am that's a long answer to your question
0: <laughs> it's a beautiful answer because you really walked us through the highs and lows of what a real life is and i feel like for many people the assumption is oh you're well educated oh you come from a well to do family so your life is like a silver platter here it is there it goes it's perfect but in reality like there are and you only kind of scratched the surface of the struggles, but you I mean you were fired, you were, you know, you're dealing with relationship issues, you were noticing your own inconsistencies and your ability to control your emotions over the pettiest things. And so this is what, you know, awareness does, what consciousness does, what spirituality does, is it makes you more, more clear on who you are and, and and how you're treating others and especially how you're treating yourself. And so I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing sort of those ugly aspects because most people don't ever admit to being fired or ever admit to being, because we are like these perfectionists, high-performing all the time beings. Like for us to show up to a job and be told that we're not adding value, it's almost like the hugest blow to our ego. Like you might as well tell us that we ain't shit and like kick us out the door. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I would actually probably appreciate that more, (laughs) but, but that's how it feels, you know, that's how it feels as opposed to, you know, how you were, I just wasn't a fit for that role. And actually I was a much better fit in this other role. And, you know, and that took someone having to tell you that before you able to see it for yourself. So I would like for you to like, start to share a little bit more about how, that awakening, if you will, started to unlock some of the other learnings that you were doing, like with the with the university. Um, I think is it Santa Monica, yes, is that right? Yes. And um, and some of the other programs you started to to engage because this was actually when we were st- when I was still living in Detroit within, and we were all in Detroit together, um, and you were taking some of these courses then, and it was. Really, like strange to me. Like I had never seen anything like that before, and you know, you were doing your best to explain it to me. <laughs> but um, but certainly, this was sort of really the the opener, if you will, of your metaphysical, more spiritual um, quest. So I would love to learn more about that, and for our listeners to hear more about that as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. And 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 just before we go there, I just want to add something to the being fired uh, experience just to normalize it. Cause I, um, yeah. I used to have, I used to have this idea that I am my work and I am my results. Yeah. So, you know, if, yes, and it served a purpose. Like I, you know, I, I could relive, deliver a really good job, but it would come from a place of having to prove myself because if I don't do a good job, it means that I'm not a good person. Um, uh, and so the the it took me two years to admit publicly that I was fired. like I was so embarrassed that I would say that you know that I quit kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> And you and it was so I mean, it just I just had so many good stories that I could use that I use in workshops and everything about about feedback, you know, and about, And about people saying, oh, but we had great expectations of you. And I didn't have a clue of what expectations they had, you know. Anyway. Yeah. So uh, going back to your question. So when I when I was in Brazil, this um, I started attending a personal development school, like a life skills school called Insight Seminars. This one still exists and I highly recommend it. I'll also give you uh, the link. it's uh, insightseminars.org. and I also I volunteered a lot at it, uh, as as much as my as as much as I could squeeze into my schedule. And I learned that the so I just started to inquire, you know how do these facilitators become? like this because i am having such a transformation i am both i have experienced transformation both as a participant and even as an assistant just being present in the room and like i want more of that you know i want to do that for people how do they learn it and so uh, a couple of things that i learned that they did uh First was that they were uh, students of Movement of Spiritual inner awareness, msia.org, which is uh, an organization that was founded, both Insight Seminars and MSIA, they were founded by the same guy. His name is John Roger. And uh, so they are students of that. So, of course, I started studying that um and because like insights insight is very secular in its language yeah so they talk about you know being your loving their their, their mission is to help people uh awake to their loving so transform and awaken into their loving so that we can support the bigger awakening and uh loving of the and transformation of the planet But they do Mm -hmm. that all, you know, they don't talk about spirit, they don't talk about God. And I think that's very respectful because there there are lots of people who have either who don't believe in God and spirituality. And there are others who do believe, but they have a very particular way that they want to relate to this. But still... Developing is growing is, is something that is valuable for anybody, regardless of their take on uh, on God or spirituality. So that's that's one thing that I started studying. And then I also learned that these facilitators attended University of Santa Monica which uh, at the time was a two-year program. Now, that, now they have it moduled, so you can do one year, then another year, and so on. But at the time, it was a two-year program, like every weekend, Los Angeles. And so I was in Brazil, uh, and it was, like, outrageous to travel internationally, not only because it's very expensive, but also because there's something about the purchase power. So you can imagine someone doing the same thing in Brazil, it would be they would be making at least f- five times less for the same kind of role mm. in terms of purchase power. Program. Anyway, so it was right. something completely impossible for me to go to University of Santa Monica. They have a program in spiritual psychology. Spiritual mm-hmm. psychology is uh, the study of... It's, it's, a, it's a particular segment of psychology that comes from the premise that we are souls living a human experience. So it's, it's different from traditional psychology. Um, and I, I wanted to come, but I'm, you know, I'm very optimistic person, I would say. And I, I am very creative in my imagination. And so I just visualized mm-hmm. I'm going. I don't know how, I don't know when. Yes. Same thing yes. about the, to- the first uh, time that I traveled, to, that I moved to the US as, as an adult. You know, ever since I was 14 years old, I was going around and researching scholarships for me to do high school in, in, in the US because I knew I wanted to live abroad. That's okay it took me 10 years but I did it you know for, for my MBA. Period. period. So same thing with University of Santa Monica I decided I wanted to do it and uh, I didn't know how but I just put it in my vision. I have always been very and uh, and this is one thing that I have learned in these personal developments workshop you know to create the vision to cherish the vision and to take action toward it one tiny step at a time but don't let don't So anyway my husband got me a hand that he got me to the US <laughs> so then it became much more affordable and then I started um, as soon um, as soon as possible I just started traveling to Los Angeles every month and spent a weekend there just studying spiritual psychology so that was another. Big piece of my education, if you will.
0: Yes, I love it. And interestingly enough, um, when I first started my uh, formal training, if you will, around spiritual studies. I studied with the University of Commission Sciences, which was founded by Dr. Phil Valentine, and he called the course metaphysical psychology. Mm. So, um, so uh, I'm a metaphysician <laughs> in a way, and, and we considered it to be the study of self. So a very similarly study of self as divine entities in a human experience. So that really was life shifting for me as I'm sure it was for you. And, and for our listeners and, and viewers, a lot of folks are, you know, professionals and are seekers at the same time and are interested in understanding how to integrate the two. Because in how you explain it, even in your world where you came from, like working for Motorola, you weren't having these same sort of meta, uh, spiritual psychology conversations or in metaphysical conversations, which is why you were attracted to the University of Santa Monica. So I really would love for you to share at what point did it become clear to you that you could integrate the two? And I know it's become newer for you to have your own practice around it, but even in your own um, sort of entrepreneurship, working at an organization, what when did it start to feel right to integrate, okay, I have this spiritual existence and being, and I'm also like this business leader. So how can I bring these two together and how is that serving me? Can you talk us through that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think there, it, it goes in, it's like concentric circles and it's like, first is like the conversations with myself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's like, Okay, when I'm going to so I'm when I'm going to start my day uh and then when I'm going to start any important block of time within my day like okay there's this special project that I you know I'm going to de- de- dedicate an hour or 2 hours or whatever. And then I just sit in silence and and it's like uh Instead of going to, like, what is it that I want or, you know, what will get me my, more visibility? And, and it's like, okay, how may I be of service? Just having this mm. higher uh, wisdom come through. Yes. And so it mm-hmm. goes, it, it, and it's kind of like my staff meeting happens at 6 a.m., when i'm doing my meditation wow Um, yeah and which um it's i do a particular kind of meditation called spiritual exercises from msia which alternates chanting and listening but it's 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 amazing how my instructions you know these are the people that you need to contact these are the things that you need to do it's like Why do I need to contact such and such? I don't want to talk to such and such. It's like, don't argue, just do it. And then I do it and I'm like, oh, oh, this is why I needed to contact this person. So it's having this, um, and then when having this, this um, ability to sit in silence and let the small voice within (laughs) talk. (laughs) And, uh, and then it, I say it's, it's concentric circles because then it goes out to the people that I relate to. And I think there's, there's a lot of tact to be exercised and observation to see how much people can take. Yes. So, Think of a light bulb. Let's say that I am emitting light at 100 watts. If someone is used to light at 10 watts and I come at him and I say, hey, you know, look at this. How how wonderful this, you know, joyous, blissful experience of being one with God. It's like, what? It's like. I'm totally going to blind and I'm inflicting. And and I think this is something that is very common in the process of awakening, which is, you know, it's so cool that I want to share it with everybody. And in this enthusiasm of wanting to share, I'm inflicting myself on others. Oh, yes. And so, So I remember my husband telling me that, you know, how much, that I think that I know better than him. Like, oh, you found this holy grail, and then you think that I want to drink of it. It's like, I don't want your Kool-Aid. <laughs> so just like see how much is... A, and, and so for that, I screen the language. What is the language that the person uses? And then I do my best to meet them where they are. And so yes. if the person... Is emitting a 10 light 10 watt light bulb. I might come in as 1520 and say, oh yeah, that is a possibility. And they do experience awakening as someone that is I'm extending a hand for the person to grab, but they're grabbing it. I'm not yanking them. And at the same time, I'm staying humble in a beginner's mind, so that I am looking up to who has a 200 watt bulb for me to hold their hand. Yes, and so it's kind—it's of, like a, um, I don't know—we're we're just giving hands to one another and just pulling each other up in the awakening process.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I just want to highlight a couple of things before I ask you to dig a little bit deeper, because one thing you said that the first question you asked yourself was, how can I serve? And I felt like that was really beautiful because oftentimes in this self-work, people kind of misconstrue the self-love and the put yourself first with being selfish, and I just allow people to, you know, have that thought because it is a different frame of thinking in terms of how we're generally used to orienting ourselves around um, the world. And interestingly enough, as we're focusing on self and doing that self work, it is in service to humanity because, you know, as we shift, as we heal, as we grow, as we learn how to speak to others and, and see others differently, that's serving in many ways versus kind of operating like a how I I can say I definitely was like a bull in a China shop, like I was at hundred watt bulb, just bright light shining, blinding people all over the place and breaking things in the process. And so and that's not service, you know? Um that's that's damage, that's destruction. And so that to me was a really beautiful um, you know, statement that you made in addition to in how can I serve At what capacity can I serve, you know, this particular individual? And that's what you meant in terms of I love the light bulb analogy and reference, because not only are you orienting yourself towards, you know, growth and service, but also with the awareness and the mindfulness, the empathy and the compassion to see, okay, where does this person sit right now? And how can I sit alongside them and not stand up next to them or stand over them, you know, in the process. I want to just be right along with them, walking side by side. So I think that's really beautiful approach. And I would love if you could point to a specific example, particularly in business, where this mindset or this orientation, or even in your marriage, like I, I loved how you brought up it, it brought up your husband because this is business and, and personal to me, it's the same thing. <laughs> like managing a relationship, managing a partnership and business, it's, it all requires the same skills in many ways. So, could you share a little bit more, if, if you could, a, a personal story or of challenge or triumph um, as you were starting to come into your awakening or as you are moving in your awakening?
1: A personal story integrating in the business you mean integrating like spiritual
0: and- or in your marriage or in your friendships integrating sort of the learnings you've had and navigating the challenges or the conflicts
1: okay I, I think I can I can I can give an example um, my coach Kevin Samuel and I'll, I'll I'll give the link for 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 both my coaches, both uh, Barbara Houston and Kevin Samuel, she busted my ass. Am I only... Is it okay to say <laughs> falling? Yeah,
0: drop all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: she, I heard her say to my face. So you think that making money is not spiritual? And she she nailed it. So I have built a very successful career in every criteria that I chose to succeed on. And uh, for me to not succeed financially in other worlds, um, like to not make them out the kind of money that I was making in corporate, to me, that was success that was me being right, you know, because I was spiritual and I don't need, and I don't want the money. And, and I think that, I think, you know, you're talking about like bringing, bringing the spiritual and the material together. I think actually that is, that is the, critical point for business right now in our generation to make business successful because what happened is that we can we we have progressed so much materially that we exploited the planet and we 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 have been uh damaging the planet we have People starving. We have trash everywhere, pollution, and in the name of material, the, like this is this is a material uh, civilization. And then there are people like me who do have who 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 chose to awake and who chose to be conscious, but then I deny the material. And I think the power is um, like, you know, a woman that I think that got this, her name is uh, Laureen Paulo Jobs. She founded Emerson Collective. And she's she's someone who got this. Like, you know, we need to bring together venture capitalism, philanthropy, And uh, we need to create a new kind of business, you know, just we need because it's like so that everyone grows and flourishes. And um, so actually, I would love to meet her. So that's my shout out for support. If If anyone knows her personally and can make an introduction, I would love to. Uh, be involved with this serve this woman in whatever capacity and serve this woman in her organization because I really believe that in in and it's like being selfish it's kind of like we have we have uh, uh, our higher self and our lower self which is also called ego and we have you know and the lower self the ego has desires and i think it's it's not a matter of ignoring but it's like directing them in a positive way yes. so yes i want to grow yes. yes i want to have material comfort but how can i do that in a way that everybody wins yes. i was just watching the move a movie yesterday called margin call and it was um, it just illustrates 24 hours in one fictitious, quote unquote, um, organization um, investment bank just before uh, a financial crisis, but it's it illustrates so well how you know the the how the being selfish was not a service, but we can we can operate in different ways, like you know for. I loved the movie Avatar and so there is you know there is this scientist who she should just felt she, this human scientist who was studying the, the 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 new planet and those people and she could reconcile those two things, you know, the magical and anyway, so. But you asked for an example. I mean, did I, does does my relationship to the material
0: answer your example? You brought up a whole new question for me, actually, because that is fundamentally what meta business means. And I'm not even quite sure if I have expressed it or explained it enough on this podcast is that meta stands for metaphysical and business, obviously the, the core tenets of profits and profitability and efficiencies and things like that. Yet integrating very intentionally the principles that metaphysical, the metaphysical principles of the universe of the things that are are aligned with our goodness, with our, our, our being of service to humanity, of being in, in, in connection to our divine, our higher selves. And, you know, I, I am so grateful that you brought up this woman who also, um, does this as her, you know, career and a core tenant of, of what she does, because this is fundamentally, you know, why I started this cast is to have more of these conversations around how can business shift such that the the primary outcomes aren't necessarily defined solely by money. And it's a great metric and it's a great mode and, and method of communication, yet we are also divine beings having a human experience. And how can we integrate more of that that energy into what we're doing. We're giving so much of our time and our lives to business. How can it be infused with all this energy that I believe is just lying dormant because we're really just operating in such uh, a box, if you will, the three, 3D box, when we could be operating in a, you know, a 5D, you know, toroidal, you know, You know, or 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 ninety, we could be operating it in such greater capacities using using our divinity,
1: And, and we are at the dawn of a spiritual civilization, and I think that business has a very important role to play, because business know how to make stuff done. So the same way that we it, so. the same way that we messed up and dirtied the the planet, we can clean it up. And you know, there is enough food to feed everyone in the planet. It's not that we don't have enough resources. We do have the resources.
0: It's the allocation and, and management of the resources that's the that's the challenge. Exactly.
1: and I think that goes into and and so it, it, it goes, I think it goes through bringing a concept that is very spiritual, which is the concept of oneness. like we are all one, mm-hmm. bringing that down to the ground level. Well, mm-hmm. if we apply, we are all one then the moment that I am deciding if I am buying a certain product, and that goes even in our behaviors as consumers, the moment that I'm deciding if I am going to buy that product, where is that made? Who made this? Is there someone who's starving in a slave-like relationship to make this thing so cheap so that I can buy it? And I, am I supporting that? So it's kind of like looking through the supply chain. And yeah. um, there's a pretty good book on this topic uh, called Cap- Capitalism on Fire. Mm. So if, if, if anyone is, is interested, like how the blindness uh, of, you know, the veil of blindness is is starting to be lifted because – and and we have power as consumers as investors for example am i willing you know when my 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 investment consultant he you know he was sharing some options of things that to invest in that fit my profile and well i am looking uh, is how is this company treating their employees how is this company treating the 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 communities the communities where they operate, and are are they clean in their operation? And it has to be, and it has, and more important than what the organizations do, it's like where are they coming from? What is your inner it must
0: be intention? What is
1: your innermost attitude? And I, am I right. doing this to look good, or am I doing this because I really think it's the right thing to do? And it goes Man. back to me as an individual. Remember that earlier I mentioned, oh, you know, when I sit with myself, I it was my own training. And to start, instead of asking, okay, what is it that I'm going to do that it's going to make me look good? It's like, how may I be of service? Mm-hmm. So same thing in the organization. It's like, am I doing this to be of service? Am I thinking bigger? As I'm, Am I thinking at, as we're all one? Or am I doing this just to greenwash, just to look good in some writing?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, what you're talking about purely is intention. And that is oftentimes fueled by our desires, by our ego. And that you brought up so uh, beautifully earlier in the conversation, because I hear people talk a lot about ego death. And I don't really ascribe to that because you can't really kill yourself like that can't kill yourself unless you kill yourself and you still can't kill yourself okay you know and and with the ego it's really about bringing that mind that desire mind into balance and that balance was coming up a lot for me as you were talking about utilizing the business structures the business organization the business tools to shift what's happening here on the planet it's about bringing more of a balance to how we're already existing because we're, all, we're all far on this extreme and we need to be more over here. But to get there, it just requires a little bit more of a balance. And a lot of the work that I do in my Tai Chi is about embracing desires, like first noticing them, naming them, and then nurturing, which the nurturing is really like embracing, like nurture, it's like embrace and to hug, to love. Because when we're aware, first of all, that we our intentions may not be pure. And when I say pure, like they may not be coming from the best place. Like I may be out for greed. I may be out for some recognition. I may be out for a little bit of control. I may be out here because I feel unsafe and security. So when we're able to notice how and why am I moving this way and naming, okay, I'm moving this way out of fear, which is a lot of how business is driven fear-based, competition-based, outcome-based, um, and then we're able to really nurture it and bring that into balance. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you lifted that up because these are processes and, and healing processes, especially that we could utilize to better make decisions to, for our businesses, for our personal lives, for our family lives. So that really resonates deeply with me. And, and
1: also like the, the the ego is like a dog it, it it makes a great servant but a terrible master so I want to mm-hmm. educate my ego so that it follows me it follows my higher consciousness it it follows my conscious self and calmly rather than you know <laughs> you, you You've probably seen, you know, those people in the street that the dog is all wild and, and barking and pulling the person. And, and and that's when I allow my ego to take over. And, it, you know, and that's where all the stress comes from and all that kind of thing. So even another way, just going back to your question of like, uh, how do we bring together spiritual and business in the the way the way the way that I relate to the other person is a reflection to how I relate with myself. So first, look and be conscious about the relationship that I have with myself. Am I loving of myself? Am I accepting myself? Do I do I have a learning orientation to life, or am I beating myself up? for mistake, for the mistakes that I made. And and then when relating to the other person, am I being loving and I'm being accepting? And which doesn't mean being permissive because establishing boundaries and holding boundaries and calling people on their shit, that's also loving. And we can do that in a loving way rather than in a harsh way. And uh, most people go to work to be reparented, you know, work, (laughs) work is a place of belonging. And then I tend to replicate in my relationships, both at home and at work or school, wherever I am, I tend to replicate the patterns that I have lived in the past especially the patterns that need healing because that's my higher consciousness bringing to me an opportunity. It it, it just repeats. It's groundhog day, right? It's the movie groundhog day. It just keeps repeating until I change inside. Outer experience is a reflection of inner reality. That's one of the principles of spiritual psychology. So if I have turmoil inside of me, That's what I'm going to experience at work. So, and then often people think that the solution is to numb it. So how do I numb it? There are the socially accepted ways like eating, shopping, you know, taking meds. And then there are others that have more uh, serious consequences like alcohol or, or, or drugs. But it's like you know. I remember. Uh, I remember someone in a workshop. We had. Uh, we were practicing uh, just breathing exercise because meditation. It was like way too much, right? Just breathing exercise. Just being quiet for a few moments. She just couldn't bear the level of anxiety that she would experience when she was quiet. And so her way of dealing with her anxiety was to just work, 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 overwork. And and so it's like, just be with whatever is present. Sometimes we don't need
0: to do anything. Just be with it. Yeah, I love it. I love that. And, you know, I just, this is a great kind of closure, closure I believe, to a very healing conversation around work. And one thing I just want to amplify and what you just shared was about the parenting and how we go to work to get reparented. That fundamentally has to change. For us to evolve in this new age, we must become self-managers. I truly believe in, in the idea of the management of self um, and moving to and through work and to and through life. Because we cannot continually rely over reliance at this stage on leaders, on managers, on other people to guide us and shepherd us into the way. Because it's not anyone's responsibility for our success or for our failures. There's no more blame that can be placed. It's all on the self. And so um, that really deeply resonates with me around going to work to show up for self, as opposed to going to work to show up for someone else, and I know that's not really how it's structured these days. Even with you in your evaluations, performances, you know, we're always trying to show off, you know, for the master, if you will. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to show up and show off for ourselves. So, um, and to your point, that takes stillness, that takes a little bit of quietness, it takes a little bit of listening to yourself. And, and that really deeply, uh, you know, you know, hits me in my heart chakra a lot. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And so for folks who are listening and, and watching and who want to reach out to you and work with you or just chat with you, can you share with them how they can get in touch with you?
1: Yes. Uh, my website has my contact information, so you can go there. Uh, it's www.appreciative.me, appreciative So that's a p p r e c i a t e dot and mary e as in echo, and they can find there my my contact information. And my LinkedIn as well.
0: Perfect. And what are you offering right now? Is it coaching, strategy? Just a couple of your offerings, and people can know how to tap in.
1: Yeah, it's both both facilitation and uh, coaching, and um, I also work. With uh, projects that have more coaches and more facilitators uh, as a team, so you know there's some. Sometimes I, uh, I work individually. Sometimes I work with groups, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's by myself. And sometimes I, I am working with. I'm partnering with other facilitators and coaches, or I'm also facilitating. Uh, partnering with a consulting company.
0: Mm, I love that. That's good to know. And um, I just want to thank you again for sharing your life, sharing your story, sharing your wisdom with all of us, especially with me and your time. And for all of those, again, check out Inez. She's a beautiful soul, a bright light, and also a great business mind for those of you looking to co-create with her. And for all of those that are interested in learning more about the Meta Business Millennial Podcast, you can catch me on Instagram and social media channels, my YouTube channel, at I am Aaron Patton. There are more resources. You can check the show notes for this episode and more at themetabusiness.world. We love you all so much. Peace. Did you really love this episode of the Meta Business Millennial Podcast? Well, I am honored, and I appreciate you subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends because your feedback allows us to co-create more enlightened conversations. And if you're interested in growing your soul now, head over to my website, erinpatten.com to find all the show notes, links, and free resources to get your energy activated today. In the meantime, stay bright, my friends. Much love and light. Peace.